I want to visit something first a little bit. I have a thought process, a mind, a mindset, I guess. <clears throat> I talked with a, I talked with a guy uh, this this last few days that um, has been going through some really difficult stuff, and and uh, and, and he's a he's a pastor, a, a, a not like a lead pastor, but a minister, and he was going through some difficult things. So we were talking about it, and he said, he said, um, this is, you know, what happened. And I knew, I've, I've known him for a while, and I was watching this unfold over the last few years. And in fact, um, I, uh, I, did, I did say this to him, but for a reason. I'm not an I told you so kind of person. I guess maybe I am sometimes. But, but I, I told him, I said, you know, a year, and a year ago when we were first talking about this scenario, I told you this was going to happen. I said it was a good chance. He said, yeah. And I said, the only reason I said that is to say, okay, the reason I know that is because I've been through this, I saw it, I've walked through this, and I knew that this was a great potential. It may not have happened this way, but it could have, and it did. And I said, so here's the next step is, this is, this is some of the ways that you deal with this. This is, some of the, this is some of the ways that you handle this, that you interact here, and that you, you do this. And Linda's sitting there, and she said, yeah, we've, because he wrote, he, he discussed some of the scenarios, and she said, yeah, we've been through all of those different scenarios, but in different ways, not at the same time. He, was, some, of, some of these are all wrapped up together for him. And she said, you know, we went through this, we went through this. one. So here's what we did. Here's some ways that we handled this wrong. Here's some ways that we handled this right. Okay. And uh, basically, um, he's, a, um, he, he's a, a staff pastor at a church, and, and, um, and, and things didn't go right, um, didn't go well. And uh, and there was a, there was a the the, the I'm trying to say this without just the uh, pastor didn't treat him right. He's a staff pastor. Pastor didn't treat him right. And uh, I'm, not, I'm not quick to say those things because there's always a, a hundred ways that that could be right or wrong. Okay, there's just are. Um, and, uh, but, but I, you know, like I said, I saw going into this, this wasn't going to go right. And, and, um, and so I said, okay, now what do you do? What do you do with this is the point, is the big thing. It's not what happened to you, it's what you do with this. And, uh, and interestingly, I had two other conversations in the last two days, totally separate, different states, different circumstances, everything except that somebody was treated bad by either Christians or by a church. And uh, so, so here's, here's the deal. What do you do with that? <clears throat> let, me, uh, let me say this as directly as I can so that, so that you understand we can get to the meat of this without me parsing and him hawing around, Okay. I have been treated horribly by churches over the years. I have been treated great by churches over the years. I have, I've said this before, I have never been treated as, as badly by non-Christians as I have by Christians. And let me throw another addendum on that. I have been treated, the very worst that I have been treated ever has been from ministers. The worst. 
So what do you do with that? What do you do with that? Anybody ever been treated bad by a church? Anybody ever been treated bad by this church? Don't raise your hand. You're like, yes, yes, I have. By you, pastor. So usually if you're here on a Wednesday night, you don't think I treat you bad. (laughs) Okay. Okay, I don't want to keep going down that road. So... um, well, let, me, let, me, let me say another layer to this so that there's no confusion here either because I, I do joke about things and I, I, um, I do joke like uh, sometimes that I am like the best pastor ever. Okay, I have treated people wrong at different times over the years. I have treated people bad. It wasn't my goal. Sometimes it was my goal like halfway through, you know, like conflict or something and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to treat them bad. That is... I've never actually had that intentional thought, but it has been the outcome. I've said wrong things to people. I've, I've, been, I've been mean when I shouldn't have. I've been a jerk when I shouldn't have, okay? I can say pretty honestly, though, that really hasn't happened in the last five to ten years. It hasn't happened here. I haven't, I'm, I've matured, okay? I'm a little more mature than I used to be back in the day. But, um, but I've, been, I've done some wrong things. So what do you do with that? What do you do when a church treats you bad or, or Christians treat you bad or a minister treats you bad? Or what do you do with that? <laughs> Here's my list. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, Tom. Are you talking about Josh? You're not talking about Josh, right? <laughs> oh, okay. Right. Okay, not Josh. You had to check to make sure. No. Okay. Okay, so you're saying that's one option. Okay, though that's not always the option, right? Okay, so confronting somebody, that's another option, right? Right, and there's and Scripture explains how to do that. You go to them, talk to them. If they don't listen, you go take another Christian with you. And then if that doesn't happen, you... Talk about them, complain about them all over the church, and make a big issue. About, you know. So, so there's a biblical model to, to how to do this. So option one is you leave. Okay? There's a right and a wrong way to leave a church. Don't be a jerk about it. No matter how much they were a jerk to you, don't reciprocate. Just don't. Don't make it worse. Don't make another bad on top of a, a bad. Okay? Another thing is confront the person. What's the third option? Okay. Okay. 
Yeah, you know, being, being the pastor for a long time now, um, there are times when things have happened in churches I had no idea. And somebody was upset, and somebody else was upset, and there was a big, you know, brouhaha, and pretty soon, the, you know, the, somebody's left. And, and I find out like three weeks later, I'm like, hey, where did Buddy go? Buddy left. Why? Because so-and-so spiked his tires, you know. So, and I'm going, what? This all happened? Okay. I've had people leave the church because of me and never tell me. All right. Um, which, by the way, I, I go talk to people when they leave the church. Not somebody that's just visited a few times and they don't stay. I say when somebody's in the church for a long time, I go talk to them. Did you know that? I'll go ask them. People have not left this church since I've been here that, were, that were, had been here a considerable amount of time that I did not go talk to personally. And here's the question that I ask. What happened? Is there something I could have done differently? Now, here's something interesting so that there's no question. I've said this before half a dozen times or more. I don't go beg them to come back to church. Do you know why? There's, there's actually a reason. There's a handful of reasons, but there's some reasons why. If I can talk them into going, coming back, uh, there's a real good chance that it's going to be very short-lived. Right? Because I talked them into it. Uh, that's not healthy. I want to make sure that there's still a, not a, you know, I don't want to burn a bridge and I want to make, let them make sure, you know, you're always welcome to come back if you want and leave it at that. We didn't, we don't, we didn't ask you to leave kind of thing, you know, and so you're, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't ask people, I don't beg people to come back. I don't think there's, that's healthy. I think there's other issues there. Right. Um, so when I came to be the pastor here, I left another church to do that. I, it, was, it was a good church. There's still a good church. I still have very good friends in that church. In fact, Mary and Anthony were part of that church. And a couple of years after we got here, we brought them here. That actually caused a little tension there at that church, just so you know. But, but, but uh, there, I still have very good friends at that church. I don't have a negative relationship with that church. But when I left there, when I resigned, I made a lot of people mad. I made a lot of people mad because I resigned, because I left. In fact, one of the people I made the most angry, I believe... Correct me if I'm wrong, Mary, was Anthony. <laughs> he didn't talk to me for like a few months. Right, <laughs> right. I'd say, hey, Anthony, what's up? You know, and just walk off. I'm like, but, but I get that. It's, those are painful, different, difficult circumstances. But here's the thing I'm trying to say. I really felt like God was saying my time there was done and that God was moving us on and then it turned out to be this is where we end up and I feel like God sent us here. I believe God has a place for you. I believe God has a church body for you. 
a church family. And sometimes you do have to leave. Now, I'm not saying that anything. I'm talking about three other people that have nothing to do with this church, okay? I'm not talking about somebody that's left here that I'm, you know, I'm venting, all right? It's really not that. Um, there have been people that have left here since I've been here, though, and I've gone and talked to them. I go and ask them, why'd you leave? Is there something I could do differently? Sometimes they tell me, sometimes they don't. No, no, there's nothing wrong. You just left, there's nothing wrong. You just left. That actually happens sometimes, but that's not usually the reason. There's other things. Sometimes people want to talk about it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's things we can fix. Sometimes it's not. It really is. Sometimes there's just a conflict. We had a couple that, we, that came here for about three or four months uh, right after I first got here, and I really liked this couple. And, and, um, and the, the guy, was a, the husband, was a professional drummer. that He travels all over the country and drums professionally. I really felt like God wanted them here. <laughs> no, I didn't. I don't know. But they, they left, didn't stay around, and, and we went to lunch with them. Lynn and I took them to lunch and just talked to them about it, asked them. And he said, i got to be honest with you. We're once saved, always saved, and I can't do this uh, conditional grace that you preach. I believe in unconditional grace. And I said, I get that. But you understand we can't change that. We, we believe that very strongly. You understand that, right? He said, yeah, no hard feelings. That makes sense, okay? He can't do that. There was another uh, family that I talked to one time that had been coming here for a little bit and left, and uh, they told me, they said, we cannot do this speaking in tongues thing. We, we just can't. We, we don't even understand why you guys believe that. And I said, well, you know, here's some books, here's some theology, I'm not going explain it. But you could tell they were saying, we don't necessarily want to go there. We don't want to believe that, which is their prerogative. I'm not picking on them. That's just the, the, what they believe. Okay, so, so there are those kind of things, and sometimes there's conflict. But here's another thing. Let's take all the scenarios. Leave the church, go talk to them, confront them. Maybe it doesn't get worked out. Uh, maybe it's a, a part of the leadership that's the problem. As Jacob said, go talk to the leadership. It may be the leadership. I may be the problem, okay? But here's another option, too. You stay in the church. You've confronted them. It didn't change anything. But you just don't deal with them. You don't, you don't have to sit beside them and hold their hand. Right? You don't have to. I've seen this when it comes to parents with children and the children get in a fight. Now mom and dads are in fights. And now just, we just, one of us has to leave the church. Because, because the kids couldn't share a, a basketball, you got to leave the church. By the way, I've seen that many times. And parents... You know how easy that is to rise up within you. When somebody's picking on your kid, it's on, right? But there can be, all right, let's just, you know, we just don't have to interact with them. Here's, here's part of the deal. Let me put it from my perspective. Sometimes I get in conflict with people because they treat me bad. I can't leave the church over it. I go talk to them, but nothing changes. What leadership do I go to? I, can t I mean, I have these conversations with board members when, when, these, when conflicts happen. But at some particular point, I just have to deal with it. And here's the cool, fun thing about being a pastor is sometimes people believe that God put them on this planet to make the pastor's life miserable. I, I, can, I can name people, not here in our church, but I can name people 
over the years that they believe God created them to be a thorn in the pastor's side. And I've had them say things to me like, um, we'll pray the Lord will keep you humble and the church will keep you poor. I've had people say that many times over the years. Not in the last 15 years. That's a, that's a 1960s, 70s thinking. Church will keep you poor, God will keep you humble, and if we put those two together, you might be an okay minister. That really was the thought process. And so there are, there are people that really think they're, you know, God's gift to keeping the pastor in line and check. Okay. I can't leave the church over it. I can't hit them. I can, but then the first one takes place. So, so sometimes you just figure out this is how you move forward in this. But here's the cool thing. Here's the cool thing. If you will pursue God with everything about you, God knows when you're being picked on. And God will honor you. Maybe not right then. Maybe not in the way that you think. But God will honor you. Did you know that? Keep your attitude right. Keep yourself humble before God. And pursue God. And God will take care of you. God will, even if you're getting picked on, God will take care of you. Now, I, I'm not saying this in disagreement with what Tom said. I actually think the way Tom said all this was exactly right, 100%. But I do know this, and, and I don't think Tom is guilty of this. He stayed in the same church for years, okay? This is not about Tom, okay? With that being said, I do think that people's mentalities nowadays are so quickly, I'm going to leave the circumstance I'm in. I'm going to leave the church. I'm going to leave my marriage. I'm going to leave my job. I'm going to leave my friends. Just going to leave. Instead of, no, you're going to have to really work this out. You're going to have to figure this out. You're going to have to process through this. I think we're so quick to just leave. Guys, that's why the divorce rates are through the roof. Because our answer is, I'm just going to leave. It's uncomfortable for me. I'm going to leave. Here's the reality. There is no such thing as a perfect anything. No such thing as a perfect church, a perfect pastor, perfect ministries, perfect people in the church. This is one of the things I said to this minister I was talking to. I said, you know, when I first got ministry, I went, because uh, his wife didn't grow up in ministry. Didn't, did, he's he's um, uh, Assemblies of God, Pentecostal. She, did, she grew up in Baptist church, and all of a sudden she's a pastor's wife in Assembly of God church. Okay? This is outside her scope. There's a lot of things that people do on a regular basis that are outside her scope. When I told him, I said, yeah, our circumstances, Linda and I, our circumstances are, are kind of similar. Not exactly, but kind of similar. I didn't grow up in ministry. Linda did. So I had this crazy, naive thought when I first became a youth pastor. And interestingly, when I became a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor for about four or five months before Linda got there. We weren't married yet. We were engaged, but she was still on the other side of Texas. I'm a youth pastor at a church, single guy, 20 years old. And we get married like four or five months later, and then she comes to there. And I've been doing this for a few months without her, and I'm telling her things on the phone and talking and all this. And she would say things like, that's not the way it's supposed to be. I'm like, no, no, you don't know. You don't got it. It's cool. It's a, because I had this idea that everybody that went to church were a few basic things. Christians? Nice people, 
good people, and team players. I know, I was naive. I grew up in church all my life, and that's all that I really saw. My, my parents did kind of shield me from some of the stuff. And quite honestly, my parents were the kind of people that went to church all the time. My mom pursued the Lord to some extent. My dad didn't. He just went to church. Good man, moral man, um, but just didn't. Church is what you did. It's not who you were. And so there was like another person that was my dad at home and at work and all of a sudden there was, there was another guy, okay? Um, but we were at church all the time and I loved church. As a kid, I loved church. And I just thought everybody, we had some good pastors over the years and, and good people that we came in contact. I didn't know there was problems in churches. I didn't know people did things. I just didn't. I mean, I, a few things over the years, but not. So then I become a youth pastor and I'm like, this is going to be awesome. It's just going to be potluck after potluck. People just loving on each other all the time, playing softball. I mean, that was, that's what I thought church was. And it didn't turn out to be that way. And after 11 months in our first church, I was done. And I told Linda, I don't want to be in ministry anymore. I, I don't. If this is what ministry is, I'm not interested. I don't want to do this. And so um, we were about to resign. In fact, I'd already called uh, some companies I'd worked for earlier, uh, a couple years before that, and I began to fill out applications for jobs, like a job at a paper mill in East Texas. And she kept saying, this is not ministry. Just give it another chance. This is not ministry. Ministry's a whole lot worse. <laughs> and we went to be the youth pastors at our second church, and for about three years, it was as good as it could get. Just people loved us and took care of us, and the pastor mentored me. He was a very strong personality. In fact, he picked on me some, but, but I, I needed it. I was young. I was immature. I needed, and uh, I could not serve under him in fact, within three or four years of that, I wouldn't have been able to serve under him. But I needed that at the time, and they were good people, good, good people. And God said, I got you. I got you taken care of. You're never going to find a perfect church, though. You're never going to find a perfect group of people. You're never going to find a perfect spouse. The perfection of your spouse is greatly determined by the eyes which you look through. That's a, that's a quotable thing. Somebody should write that down. That was profound. The more we look at our spouse through the eyes of Jesus, they, they look better. They act better. They think better. All this stuff. When we look through our eyes, they become very human and very flawed. Same way with the church. Become very flawed. Very human. I, I, I don't want to do this as an exercise, but if you took our pastors around here and you, and you had the ability to truly get in their head without their fear of me, some kind of reprisal from me, they would tell you the goods and the bads of working with me. And I could tell you the goods and the bads of our pastors. They have no bads. Um, that's not true. I mean, everybody does, right? Everybody does. We have goods and bads. But that doesn't mean that 
that you can't work together and get the ministry done. It mean, doesn't mean you can't reach people for Jesus. Okay? I've thought about this with, with worship music before. Um, everybody's got a different idea of what worship music should sound like, right? Right? It is. It's, it's across the board different. There's a church that um, Lynn and I are friends with some people, and Patty, I think, is friends with her, but they're their names are the Formies, and they pastor a church in Durango. They pastor a cowboy church. Everything there is country western. They have it in an arena, a riding arena, a cowboy arena. That's probably not going to be the church I jive with. Not because of the pastor. His name's Stan Formby. He's a great guy. In fact, the weird thing is his son... Was, was on my hall when I went to Southwestern back in the 80s. Son, I, I knew his son long before I knew him. And, uh, but there are people that say, hey, this is my feel, it's my flavor, it's my style. Linda's grandmother said one time, she was talking about worship, and she said, you know, I don't like all these new songs, but I go and worship because it doesn't matter what I like. I want these young kids to have a good time worshiping the Lord. And I thought, that's pretty cool. It, it, we don't, God's not demanding that of her. But she chose that. There's going to be, if, if, every, if worship was exactly like I thought it should sound, which by the way, the way I lead worship is close, but it's not really. If, I, if it was just, I'm going to do a church exactly the way I want, no other input, and I don't care what anybody else thinks musically, it's not going to sound like what most of you are going to like. I know that. And by the way, that's changed over the years. To me, it used to be just if we could just have heavy metal worship. And as a youth pastor, I started doing that. I started taking songs like hymns because this was back in the 80s. I would take hymns and I would make heavy metal songs out of them. And the kids thought it was the coolest thing ever. And then there was this moment and I realized... Did you just need an illustration, Tom? <laughs> that sounded like Europe. Okay, so, so, um, so I'm standing, I was a youth pastor, I was about 25 years old, and I'm standing in the worship, in our, in a, we had this big warehouse that we had our worship in, and we had done all these things, you know, we had all these different platforms, different size platforms and all this stuff, and I let the teenagers move it all around however they wanted to. So sometimes a guitarist was like 10 feet high, you know, and uh, singers and all that stuff. And I'm sitting there, and we had let this new kid start uh, being part of our worship team. He was a 14-year-old kid, and he truly was a guitar prodigy. He was, he was amazing. Um, by the time he was 18, he had already moved to Los Angeles and was doing studio work as a guitarist, okay? Um. We, we had a bunch of kids in that youth group at that time that turned out to be professional musicians. One of them is a, is a drummer right now that has played for almost every Christian band out there and half the country bands. He lives in, in Nashville. He's, he, he plays for, um, well, I can't even, I, I could name five people and you'd know them all, okay? Um, Christian, some of the bigger Christian names out there. And so um, we had all these kids were like 14, 15, 16 years old, later became professional musicians, traveled, some of them became their own bands. Those kind of things. So this 14-year-old kid, he, he was just a heavy, heavy metal, heavy metal 
guitarist. He's like, I want to play. You know, we kind of slowly worked him in. And we're standing there one night, and I, I played the keyboard because you need, you need a responsible adult when you got that many. I mean, we had like 10, 15 teenagers playing instruments. You need an adult somewhere in there. And uh, so I'm playing the keyboard and trying to keep everything together. And we're singing that song. You guys know that song, Majesty, Worship is Majesty, written by um, Jack Hayford. And um, so we had taken that, and we kind of made it heavy metal. I know you're saying, how did you do that? Because I'm a gifted musician. So, so we're doing that, and I, and I told this kid, I said, okay, your job, you know, is kind of hold it together. We had a lead guitarist. I said, your job is just like be rhythm guitar and just kind of hold it together. Don't, you know, whatever. All right. So we get to this point in the song, and everything kind of dies down, and all the voices are singing, majesty. And this kid's like back toward the back of the stage, got his amp. He's back there, he's got his eyes closed. And so I sing that majesty, and I hear this, and he's just back there. And it, it like almost threw me over the keyboard. And I, and I caught myself, and I, I turn around and look, and he just got it. And I look, and the rest of the band, all the teenagers, they're all just... And I look out, 100 teenagers, and they're all going... Nobody was bothered by that except me. Well, and Linda, but she's always bothered by electric guitar. And, and I realized at that moment, I had already started making a, uh, a uh, change. I had already started changing... And what they were hearing, what they were connecting with was different than what I was liking already. Okay? Uh, which, co coincidentally, within a year, we were no longer youth pastors. <laughs> I don't know what that... But either way, so <laughs> that's funny to me now. But, but there, there's, a, there's a difference in stuff. There's a difference in things. You, you guys know what music I listen to more than any other music? Blues? Jazz? No, Al. Uh, I listen to classical. I listen to Beethoven more than anything. I listen to classical. 99% of the time I listen to classical music. I love it. Uh, in fact, I was listening to what's called the pastoral, uh, the pastoral piano uh, sonata the other day and overwhelmed by it. It has nothing to do with Jesus. They call it pastoral for a different reason. You have to go, I don't have time to talk, but that's a nickname. It's like Beethoven's second, I think is what it's called. The nickname is Pastoral Sonata. And I was listening to this, and the way they do this piano and do all this stuff, and I'm driving to the church some morning, I'm listening to it, and I'm like in tears over this. This was one of the more moving, for the moment, the music, I mean, I've heard this a few times before, but just, there's something about that. Something about that. If, if it were me with worship, just, pick, just take out a guitar and just start playing and singing. Like, um, um, can't think of his name right now. Guitars from the 70s, Steve Taylor. I wouldn't mind if Steve Taylor was a worship leader. I could get into that. I could. I'll give you another one. Um, uh, why are all these names escaping? Gay guy, big glasses, plays the piano. Elton John. I wish that guy would get saved and lead worship. Wouldn't he be amazing? Think about the, 
the, the power of what he has at a piano that God gave him, and he's been using it for nothing over the years. I mean, he's come up with great music, but been wasting it. What if he sat down and, and under the, covered with the blood of Jesus as a saved man under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, wrote a worship song? Wow. Guys, we all have different tastes. We all have different desires in music and in church and in, in preaching styles. All this other kind of stuff. I'll, I'll give you another one. I don't preach like I would like to hear preachers. Do you know that? You know what kind of pastor, preacher, not pastor, that's a different thing. Communicator. You know what kind of communicator I want to listen to? Any, any basic, any clue? I'll give, you a, I'll give you a hint. I have a doctorate. Did I give you a hint? I love to sit in a class for two or three hours straight and listen to a lecture. I love that. It energizes me. We're going to go to a Catalyst conference tomorrow. Our pastors are in Denver. Um, there's going to be a lot of things about that that I'm not going to like because they have to do things that connect people and entertain people and pull them in. There's going to be music. I don't need music. I don't. They're going to do funny things. I like humor, but I don't need that. I want a three-hour lecture, and I want you to get into the meat of stuff, and I want you to tear it up, and I want to go through Scripture, and I want some inspiration. I want some anointing. I want some God just speaking to me through the Word. But there's no way I can do that as a pastor. None of you would come. I know that. But that's why I went to higher education, because I like that. In fact, I've been casually thinking sometimes that I would maybe like to go back and get a PhD to go with my doctorate of ministry. Because why? I love it. I love it. Right? Guys, we all have different styles. We all have different personalities. We all have different stuff. But here's the thing. And actually what I was going to talk about tonight was Jesus speaking to us. So I'll use that. I mean, the Lord's speaking to us, which we've been looking at some lately. But here's another thing that I've found. We, God wants to speak to all of us. You've heard me say that over and over. But what I've found is that the way that God speaks to all of us is different. Right? I was going to talk about Balaam's donkey. We can't talk about it next week. We've got a business meeting, but the week after that, I'll talk about Balaam's donkey. Because for Balaam, that seemed to be what he needed to get in his head. He needed a donkey to talk to him. All of us have God speak to us differently. In fact, let's do this. I'll prove it to you. Just in a simple way. When you think about God speaking to you, where in, where in your body does that happen? Somebody, somebody volunteer your experience. When you're talking about God speaking, when you're trying to describe it, where do you think and process this voice happening inside your body? It's not as strange as a question as you think it is. Somebody tell me. Paul? Paul? 
Okay, in your chest, in your head. Any other? Deep in your heart, not just in your chest. Okay? Which, by the way, these may be the exact same descriptions, but we all have a difference here. Anybody else? Okay, you, you hear in your ears, you, you hear as a listening kind of thing. Okay? Yes, ma'am. It's thoughts. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Okay, God speaks to us through our emotions. That's, that's a big way for me. God emotionally moves me, and I can tell he's speaking to me. Epiphany. Okay. It's epiphanic. And, and in your head, is that what you're saying? A picnic? It's a picnic? Mike? Okay, you see it how? Okay. So there's a, there's a visual aspect for you. Okay. Yes, ma'am. So there's a peace that comes along with it, a calm. Okay. And Scripture backs that up. Let the peace of God rule. Any other ways? Any? Go ahead. Okay. Um, I, I would say... That same kind of verbalization, for me, I would say there is a, there's a thought process, but it's not a pure thought from me. It's a disconnect. It's, I can tell this is a thought from somewhere else. I can tell it's, it's not my thought, but it's a thought, and I'm having it, <laughs> but it didn't originate with me. So I would include my mind sometimes, which, by the way, everything everybody's describing, I think I've had all of those at different times. Um, I've heard people describe it as like in your gut, deep in your gut. You just, you know. Well, I don't know exactly what that one feels like. I, I reserve deep in my gut for food. But deep within your gut, or, or here's another way that I could, it would resonate with me, and this may be what they're saying, is like deep within my spirit, this is a reality that I don't know how to, I can't go deep enough to to put a finger to that, but it's in there. And I can tell that's the Holy Spirit. So, so the disciples um, were making decisions right after in the, first, in the first part of Acts, and Jesus has been resurrected, and they've, they've got to pick another um, disciple, uh, apostle. They've got to, you know, get the... Um, get the um, some people to do the work, handing out the food and stuff like that. 
What are some ways that that's described there as them hearing God? They actually did something. Prayed. Okay. Asked for God to help them. So then when they chose uh, the, the, uh, the 12th apostle, how did they do that? They cast lots. Now, if I were to say, to us, you know, we got a business meeting next week. If I were to say, we're, we need another uh, board member, let's draw straws. People would say, that's not the way you do it. It's the way they did it. Sort of. But they prayed about it, and then they cast lots. Right? Another way that the book of Acts says it is, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. So unpack that one a little bit. What does that mean? It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. What does the us tell us? I would say they arrived at one mind. I don't know that they started in one mind, but it seemed good to us. That means they had to discuss it, process it. One of the things we do in our board meetings is we discuss things. We discuss things and discuss things. And sometimes we'll put something off for a few months and not make decisions. We just keep discussing, keep discussing. Why? I don't know that we actually say out loud, let's wait till it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit, but that's what we're doing is we're, we're talking. We're, we're, maybe we don't have enough information. Maybe it just doesn't seem right. Let's, let's talk about this some more later. Not, not on smaller things, but on bigger things. We've done that before. Well, we've done that for, for even, even like hiring pastors and things like that, where I've sat down with the board and I said, guys, here's three or four resumes. I think I've narrowed it down to this. Let's talk about this. And they'll ask me questions and we'll just, why? Because in them asking questions, sometimes I go, oh, wait a second, I didn't think about that. And I do the same thing with my wife. Let's talk about it. Because she'll say things, and I, oh, I didn't think about that. Until we can say it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. So even sometimes in the discussion itself and praying together, not just praying, but praying together, discussing together, interacting together, the Holy Spirit speaks. And it seems you can just sense, oh, wait a second. This is good. This is it. We, we, all of us had our ideas, but once we all got together and we began to talk, it, that was the speaking of the Holy Spirit and a confirmation to us of how we were supposed to do this. That's why Scripture says that we should have um, advisors. I mean, that's my word for it, but spiritual advisors and mentors and accountability partners. And stuff. Why? Because sometimes just balancing these things off of other people, the Holy Spirit speaks. And it's actually in conversation. And then it confirms to all of us, hey, this is right. Tom? And as a Christian, I have a responsibility to bring these thoughts to Christ and be obedient to Christ and let the Holy Spirit be the filter that I run these things through. 
And, uh, and so when you, when you take all of the big picture, starting with what I was starting with about a church and a local body of believers and all these other things, there's no such thing as perfection. But it can seem good to us in the Holy Spirit. And, and we're not ever going to agree on everything. But we can agree that Jesus is Lord and let's go that direction. Well, I really like that song. Well, I didn't like that song pastor preached a great message this morning. Oh, it was a horrible message. Uh, I, I see that stuff. I watched one time when I was a kid coming home from church, and I felt like it was a powerful service. I mean, I'm weeping before God. I'm, I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm like 10 years old. God moved. I mean, I just sensed His presence. And I'm going home, and my mom said, well, I guess that was an okay service. And I'm in the back seat going, no, God, God spoke to me. God, God sent his spirit. And my dad said, well, I didn't even like being there. And I'm thinking, you, my dad didn't even, he didn't even want to be there. My mom thought it was okay. And I'm back in the back saying, I just had the greatest move of God in my life ever until this day. And I realized everybody's in different places. Everybody's in different places. And and through the message, I'll have people come to me after a message sometimes and say, Pastor, that was a great message, specifically when you said this. And I'll think to myself, well, I guess I said that, but it had nothing to do with the way you took it or the direction of the message. We've even done this with our pastors before on Monday. I'll say, what did you guys, you know, how did the message, break the message down, how the weekend go, tell me about the service, tell me about the sermon, all this kind of stuff. And everybody there says, well, this was good because you said this and there. Everybody's like, yeah, it was this. And I'm thinking to myself, that is not what I was trying to get to. But they're all on the same page. They're all saying the exact same thing. God spoke to them. This was profound. All this. And I'm like, that's, I didn't have anything to, so I'll say, well, this is where I was trying to get to. And you can see they're like, Really? That's, that's not what everybody else heard, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, the Holy Spirit's big and He does a lot of things. Guys, He wants to speak to you. But here's the, the, one of the biggest things, this is what I was talking about this last weekend, about a breakthrough. You've got to get before God regularly for Him to do that. You've got to get before God regularly. Jesus went up into the mountains to pray. He did this because He needed to hear from God. Well, you need to, too. You need to get alone with God, and He will speak to you. And I'll give you another thing. When you're doing that on a regular basis, and you're deeper and deeper in pursuing God, every message I speak will sound better. Did you know that? Why? Because I'm speaking better? No. Because you're ready. You're already connected. You're saying, Lord, what are you trying to tell me today? What are you trying to do? And the Holy Spirit just opens stuff up to you. The worship will be more sincere and intense and connecting. You'll feel like every song had to do with you. Because why? You're pursuing God. You're not pursuing church. You're not pursuing a style of music. You're not pursuing worship. You're, not pursuing... You're worshiping. You're connecting. You're pursuing. And everything starts becoming better. Everything does. When you're pursuing God, His Word becomes less boring. I, I, I still, 
I keep getting in my head what Paul kept saying from last week. I'm reading Leviticus. And he seemed to be excited about that. Right? Paul, were you excited about that? <laughs> um, I, I, Lynn and I have joked about this before. When we did the one-year Bible, we used to do the one-year Bible every year. We did it for 10, 12 years, maybe more, well, more than that. And um, she would always read the Old Testament. <laughs> and like 10 or 12 years into it, she said, why do I read the Old Testament every year? I'm like, I thought you wanted to. I would read the Psalms, Proverbs, and the New Testament. And she'd read the Old Testament. It would be like, ah, because I didn't want to read it. That's why. And she was so much more naive back in those days. I'd be like, don't you feel like the Lord is calling you to read the Old Testament? And uh, we would joke about Leviticus and Deuteronomy and those. But I tell you personally, I like those books. I love them because there's a lot of cool stuff in there. There's a lot of meaty, good stuff in there. There just is. But you got to labor through some of the other stuff to get to them. Right? There's some amazing things in God's Word, and the more we pursue God, the easier those things become. Okay? So, two weeks from now, we'll go to Numbers 22, and we'll look at Balaam, Balak, all those other things going on there. But guys, maybe read the story between now and then, so that you've read it before we get here, and, 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 and think to yourself, God wants to speak to me. I know I've been saying that so much lately, but he does. But if, you, but if you come before God with all the ways he must speak to you, you're hindering, you're hindering yourself. If you come to church expecting all these things that must happen, either some kind of style or some, you're hindering what God's trying to do. If you, if, you, if you sit down with your accountability partner or your spouse or somebody else and you already have everything that needs to go on there, it's going to be difficult for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. But if you go before God, what I said Sunday, take everything off the table. Take it off the table. Lord, I'm just an open book. What do you want to do? Holy Spirit, I'm here. What do you want to do? I think you'd be surprised at what He can speak into your life. Some of the things He can do and change and whatever. Okay, any, any thoughts or ideas before we pray? Tom? <laughs> you know you got something. <laughs> Uh, anybody, you say, this is, I've I, I been thinking about this. Nothing? Okay, let's pray. How do we pray about this? What's that? Yeah, that's a good place to start. Just be nice to each other unless people get hurt. <laughs> just be nice. How hard is that? Just be nice. You say, well, they, what, just be nice. I pray that pretty much every time I ever read Scripture. God, show me something I haven't seen before. He'll do that. That's a great place to be. Linda used to say this to our kids all the time. Just prefer each other. Prefer one another. Put them before you. Prefer them. It's hard to be irritated with people when you're preferring them. Patty? Yes, sir. And, and you don't even like all of your own 
blood family, how do you expect to like all of your own church family? God didn't call us to like each other. He called us to submit to each other and love each other. Those are different. Patty? He needs to listen to that. You can. You can. It's a choice. It's a choice. How else are we going to pray? Others? Okay, for me, I would like to pray along these lines. Lord, I want to I be who you want me to be that I can hear you. So if there's something between me and somebody else, I don't want that. If there's something between me and the way I look at church, I don't want that. If there's something between me and you, God, I don't want that. I want to hear you. So whatever you want to do, change it. Whatever you want to do, change it. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we, we thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. Holy Spirit, we ask you to dig deep into our minds and our hearts. Lord, we need you to change us, whatever that means for all of us in here. Lord, we need you to change us. God, help us to, to, to be willing to jump in completely with what you're wanting to do. And, uh, and God, for whatever that means at Church of Bargate, let that be true also. But, but Lord, just in a general sense, in the kingdom of God and the, the, the family of God and church in a general sense, Lord, I, I, I pray that we, would, that we would not be offended or hurt by people, that we would be we just learn to be stronger than that and learn to, to, to choose kindness, to choose to not be offended, to choose other people over ourselves and to prefer people. And, and uh, Lord, not to put all of our parameters out there, but just to say, Lord, whatever you want to do um, in relationships and, and in the church, in our services, Lord, just whatever you want to do. God, we ask you to anoint Pastor Shelby and the worship team and um, anoint what they're doing, and God, help us to sense that, regardless of the style, help us to sense that, your presence, your anointing. Lord, anoint me as, as, I, as I try to speak and pastor, and Lord, help people to sense that over whether the style is what they like, or, or I don't know, Lord, just whatever. God, help us, to, help us to choose to let you speak to us, and choose to let you be bigger than us, and choose to, to, to let this, this family of God thing really be um, bigger than us. Lord, help us to learn to take our preferences off the table and just let you be God. God, I pray for these, these other people that I've been talking to. And, and um, Lord, I ask you to help them not to, be, not to be wounded by these other circumstances and these churches and these pastors. And Lord, help them to to realize that ministry is bigger and church is bigger and serving you is bigger and, and that sometimes people just don't do things right. And uh, Lord, we submit to you. We submit to you above everything. Teach us to submit to you and then teach us to submit to each other. We pray all this for your glory, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. All right.